Well, everyone, thanks for listening to this week's episode. This was Trivially Crucial. You can follow me on Twitter at Auhim, A-U-H-I-M, or Mandy at Brown underscore Aja, that's A-J-A-H, and follow the show at Triv Crucial. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> it was a good episode, wasn't it, Mandy? Excellent episode. I really enjoyed this topic. <laughs> it, was a, it was a really fun one. I'm, I'm glad that we could just do such a good job, you know, talking about all the different minutiae about, about the issue and the... It was, it was a really fun conversation. So I, I hope our listeners uh, enjoy it quite a bit. <laughs> Welcome to Trivially Crucial, where we believe every camera angle, comic pain, word choice, and boss battle is important and critical to our lives, no matter how unimportant a story may seem and how out of order the story may occur. I'm Michael, and this is my friend and co-host Mandy, and today we're going to talk about time travel. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, time travel is one of my favorite plot devices. Um, a lot of my favorite stories are time travel stories, and I attribute this to being exposed to Terminator at much too young of an age. Um, <laughs> but... Yes, I'm really excited to be here today talking about time travel. So when you say much too young of an age, how young is too young for Terminator? Uh, I cannot remember not having seen Terminator. Hmm. So yes, probably too young then. <laughs> yes, I, uh, I yeah, yeah, Terminator, I'm pretty sure I was born and my parents set me in front of the TV and were like, you must watch Terminator. I am pretty sure that it's the first time I saw Terminator was probably my mom watching the TV edit at some point, and I didn't really understand what was going on, and I left. Ah. It was years later that I finally got into Terminator 2, which was a classic, and then eventually watched Terminator 1. And oh my it. gosh, talk about backwards time travel. But the Terminator good thing 2. is, with time travel stories, it doesn't matter. Which is not <gasps> true it, at all. But it does! <laughs> it totally matters. <laughs> and Terminator 1 and Terminator 2 are vastly different movies that actually put forward different thoughts on time travel. It's which true. we couldn't get into. <laughs> well, go ahead, why don't you get us started? Well, this uh, goes with the first thing I wanted to talk about is that, especially in movies, there are generally uh, two thoughts on time travel. And anytime I come into, anytime I'm going into a time travel movie, I am preparing myself to bracket into one or two schools of thought, um, or into one of two. I should have said. I think that's what you said. Yeah, oh. I may have. I don't know. <laughs> uh, so in my mind, there's Back to the Future, and there is Twelve Monkeys. And everything else falls in there. Um, granted, there are some movies and books that do buck the general theories put forth by those movies. But uh, let me explain. But why those they are definitely, I would agree that those are the two main threads or types of time travel. And having not seen 12 Monkeys until yesterday, um, <laughs> I had other stories that I uh, essentially applied to that. But it, but it was always those two general right. type models. Yeah. So the Back to the Future train of thought is um, that you can go back in time and you can change things. And generally this causes uh, parallel futures, uh, 
branching off of realities, uh, you know, Marty McFly goes back in time, causes his parents not to meet each other like originally they did in his timeline, and suddenly he's living in a different timeline. Uh, and in the end of Back to the Future, the the, the first movie and, and the trilogy, uh, Marty McFly is living in a different timeline than the one he started in. Right. Uh, and he's okay with that, because it's a better timeline. <laughs> and and this, uh, this particular model does actually have a sort of branching off, but it's essentially the same thing. The, the idea is that time is fluid. You can go back and change things. And right. a lot of the time it'll either be, okay, you've got one core timeline that you're changing, so it becomes a separate timeline, but it's still the timeline, versus ones where you're actually causing truly branching timelines and you know, you're creating new ones when you go back and make a change. Um, right. So, but th- it's I, more or less the same general concept. It's just a matter of whether you're creating true branches or whether you're modifying the existing line. Right. It's, uh, you know, Terminator 2 uh, is similar. Um, but in that, there are distinctly different branches. Uh, not to say you could travel between them, but there, there is the future that someone comes from Right. Uh, is not the future that is at the end of the movie, and it's a very different future. Um, uh, Terminator 1 actually doesn't hold in that thought process. Um, Terminator 1 falls more into the 12 monkeys uh, realm of thought, which is that you can't change things because it already happened. Uh, you traveling in time was always part of the time stream. Um, every time... Uh, you know, let's say you traveled back in time to 1961. You always traveled back into 1961. You were always there. The first time 1961 was reached, you were there. Uh, and in 12 Monkeys, that's the whole premise. Um, everything has already happened. And Bruce Willis is essentially stuck in, uh, in, in this situation. Um, right. Terminator 1, even though the words characters say contradict that train of thought uh, because they'll say things like we have control over the future Uh, the outcome at the end of the movie uh, defies that and says uh, no you don't the future is set Um, Reese was always coming back in time he was always John Connor's father and she will always end up in that gas station at Mexico getting her picture taken so that she can give that picture to her son who can then give it to Kyle Reese, who can then come back in time and be John Connor's father. And Terminator uh, 2 allows you to, you know, allows you the conceit of being able to change things for the better. Right. Um, the Terminator 2 is a, it's almost a bad sequel in many ways. Uh, <laughs> but it's still, a, it's still a great movie. and <laughs> It's still a good movie. Yes. Um, I would say, so interestingly enough, and a lot of Terminator fans sort of ignore Terminator 3, but Terminator 3 was this weird thing where it sort of snapped back. <laughs> Like, it was like, yeah, you thought you changed it, but you really just delayed it a little bit. So that, so Terminator 3 is more a Doctor Who uh, fixed points in time sort of thing. Or, and, like, you might be able to change some, but eventually the things happen anyways. Well, what I... why I like way of putting things. Terminator 3 um, is that originally you have Terminator 1, where there is not, you can't change anything. It's, it's uh, very fatalistic. Right. Then you have Terminator 2 where we're told there is no fate but what we make, which is a line they pretend was said in Terminator 1, but wasn't. <laughs> uh, it was actually cut. It originally was supposed to be said in Terminator 1, and then, and then was cut. Um, presumably because they realized it didn't fit with what happened in the movie? Presumably. <laughs> uh, then you get to Terminator 3, where, yes, there is no fate but what we make, but Judgment Day is inevitable. Um, 
and I actually don't think these things are contradictory uh, because a handful of people can only change the fate of humanity so much. Um, it's it's psychohistory at this point, right? Yeah, like, psychohistory. That's the reference <laughs> that's going to need to be explained, Mandy. <laughs> uh, yes. So in Asimov's foundation books... Because Mandy and I can barely talk about any topic without referring to Isaac Asimov. Yes, yes, it's true. Um, I think he's come up in every podcast now. <laughs> maybe, maybe so. <laughs> so, psychohistory is basically a predictive model for the future. Uh, not to predict individuals, but to predict how uh, populations in general will act. It's almost like, it's like statistics applied to history and used to predict the future. Right, and in, and in fact, the... The character who comes up with the science is a mathematician, I right. believe. Yeah, like so, it's a, it's a math, it's a science where it's it's you know sort of chaos theory, but not chaos. Like right, <laughs> right. So in Terminator Three, I feel like it's where we get our psychohistory in there, right? Uh, John and Sarah have been trying to change things, and so have you know whoever else has been sent back in time. Uh, depending on what Terminator school of thought you're going by. Uh, but humanity as a whole was always headed towards this event. Um, and a small group of people could only change that so much. Uh, because we keep trying to develop the robots, and uh, we keep trying to make them smart, and we keep trying to give them control of everything. And then when they finally do take control, bad things happen. Uh so yes, I don't hate Terminator 3. I, I think people give it a lot of crap. And I think in many ways it's a better movie than Terminator Salvation, uh, which I have many problems with. Um, I, was, I, I was really scared for a minute you were going to describe like either of the first two Terminators, and I was going to be like, no, nah, we're going to... No, there's no accepting that statement. <laughs> but, um, but yes, it's, it is perfectly no, fine to say that in many no, ways it is, is better than Terminator Salvation. That's perfectly okay. It is okay. not a better movie than Terminator 1 or Terminator 2. <laughs> but in, not at all. In any way. <laughs> in any stretch of the imagination. Uh, but I think it's a movie that in many ways is true to the heart of Terminator 1 and 2, uh, whereas I don't feel the same can be said of Terminator Salvation. Um, which we don't necessarily need to, I mean, unless no. it applies to time travel, we don't, necessarily no, it doesn't, do it doesn't apply to time travel other than, uh, a few small things that tick me off, but yeah, so that, that is a discussion for another time. Then, but. Yes. So, but it's interesting that Terminator, even within its own little continuity, um, <laughs> continuity, uh-huh. uh, it ascribes the two different schools of thought. And I, and I think that's okay. Um, Terminator one, Terminator two are both great movies, even though, uh, they basically put forward entirely different philosophies in the same continuity. Um, but yes, so we have our two modes of time travel. We have, you can go back and change things and you can, you go, you can go back and you can't change things. Right. Um, and there are some movies that try to not obey those rules. Um, and usually that's to their detriment. And then there are some movies that play with those rules that give you, um, interesting conundrums. Uh, a movie I think that plays with the rules to its detriment is Looper. Uh, I don't think Michael agrees with me. No. Uh, <laughs> the time travel in Looper makes no sense. Um, it's, it's trying to have its cake and eat it too, where it's saying I can change things in the past, but somehow that doesn't change the present all the time. Or I mean, I can change. Yes. If I change things 
in the past that affects things, but not <laughs> not th- through to the conclusion that it should. Um, for example, I think it's fair, fairly close in the first half. There's some guy who um, he tries to go rogue or something, and his past self is taken hostage whatever by the organization and they start like cutting off his past self's fingers Mm -hmm. and suddenly uh future self uh, is like missing fingers um and this makes no sense no it makes no sense whatsoever because if he was captured in the past then how would he have gotten to where he was yeah in the future how how did he get in the car when his legs are chopped off it it just doesn't uh, make sense just just to go there let's let's jump tracks real quick and okay um and talk uh talk about back to the future Yes. Because, which I love, and I know you love as well. I'm pretty confident you do, at least. I do. Okay. <laughs> so, and lots and lots of people love. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, uh, let's talk about how, how time travel in that works, and then we can go back to talking about Looper. <laughs> Does <laughs> <Okay>. sound good? <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, okay. So, um, Back to the Future is much more fluid and less... It's much less deterministic than, say, Terminator or 12 Monkeys. It's not so much a fixed timeline. You can go back and make changes. Um, There are things where... There are times where, you know, different... Marty's mom ends up with... uh, Or, I guess, Marty's dad dies in in one alternate timeline, and his mom ends up with... uh, Shoot, what's the guy's name? With Biff. 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 Is Is Biff the old guy, or is Biff his... Yeah, no, his, Biff. his name is Biff. Okay, Biff. <laughs> I forget names. I'm terrible at that. But uh, I guess to me is like I, this is not a criticism in any way. I don't really think the time travel in Back to the Future makes much sense um, because a lot of the things change, and then you're like, well, how is Marty still doing all this stuff with his memories intact? Right? Instead, you see changes in photos, like it, you know, he'll have a photo in his hands, and it changes according to what he just did, but he's still around. And then in other conditions, people start to vanish, but not in other, not in some cases where they really should, or at least the memories should alter. So it's it's intentionally pretty inconsistent because you really can't have a time travel story where a knowledgeable actor, like a an, an actor on the on the timeline who knows what he's doing, can continue to be knowledgeable without having huge inconsistencies in what actually changes things significantly and what doesn't. Um, because, you know, otherwise their knowledge would change whenever they did did anything in the past, and eventually they would do something that would stop them from coming back in the first place. And, you know, it it just it doesn't really work unless you have... You can't really keep time travel making sense unless you're going to stick with the, you know, with the solution where if someone travels through time, it means they always did. I, I think it can make sense. Um, I think why Back to the Future doesn't make sense is because there should be multiple Marty McFlys running around, uh, and there are not. Um, um, but except for at one point in is it two? Well, in or? the future, right? Uh, but the question is why? Why is there no uh, Marty in the timeline? Whenever Marty messes up a timeline, he comes from timeline A. Right. Uh, so when he gets to the end of that first movie and he's now in timeline B, which is actually a more optimal timeline for his family, uh, what happened to the Marty McFly of that timeline? Um, 
that is a legitimate question. And it's the same with when Biff is in charge of any, everything. There should be a Marty in that timeline. And in fact, they insinuate there is because they say something like, shouldn't you be in school? Right. Uh, but they insinuate it's a boarding school. Um, he should be gone. So uh, that that is the inconsistency of Back to the Future. It's It's not that you can't have timelines where you change things it's that when you do that you should have multiples uh and that gets into prime well but it's still an inconsistent thing because he'll have like i said he'll have a photo that changes instead of there being a separate photo right the photo the, the photo shouldn't change they're right. they're just yeah because the photo already came from timeline a right exactly so, uh, so and that's what i mean by they're being they're, they're actually trying to keep it where it's one timeline more or less and they're changing the state of it when it would make more sense if you did a parallel parallel timelines sort of thing, which they they don't commit to one or the other. They're trying to I think it's much like Looper in that they're trying they're having their cake and eating it too. And they're and the big thing about that is like in many other many other storytelling techniques is really you just have to do what you think audiences will accept. Um you know, you you, you it's great if something makes perfect, cohesive, uh makes sense as a or is consistent as a whole, but if you if you can pull it off where certain things don't make sense, but the audience is willing to just give you a pass because it's so entertaining the way it is, then you know you're you're probably fine. Right. Um, Whereas I feel like uh, Back to the Future earns that from me. Um, Looper did not. Okay. Well, uh, as, as to me, as I felt, because you know I knew nothing about Looper going in other than who was in it and who made it, and that it involved some sort of time travel. That's all I knew too. And I went in and I and I was sitting there and once I kind of locked in I was like, "Oh, this is back to the futuresque." I kind of just tossed out trying to trying to make it fit. Like I was willing to just give it an entire a pass in its entirety as long as it didn't like anger me. Um and it didn't anger me and therefore I really enjoyed it. Um the ending was a little bit weird. And we probably shouldn't spoil the ending. No. But um but the ending was a little bit weird. Wasn't what I expected. Um, and, and that was fine. Um, and I completely understand criticisms of it, because no, it doesn't really make sense. But but I, I'm just willing to give that a pass, I guess. <laughs> See, I, I'm not willing to give it a pass as much, because it just... In, in Back to the Future, I, I can pretend. Uh, I can pretend the things make sense. And uh, I can put forward some sort of philosophy that in the time travel machine there's a way to negate other people in the timeline but then I'm pretending Back to the Future 2 doesn't exist um, which I like to do pretend it doesn't exist Uh, it's actually really funny (laughs) Back to the Future 2 was my my most favorite growing up because of the hoverboard and then as an adult I finally went back and rewatched everything I was like okay alright it's definitely to me the lesser of the three but But when we I was used to younger, argue about this in high school a lot. But when I was younger, that hoverboard—I mean, that's the future right there. <laughs> you know, it's true. But he has it in Back to the Future Three too. Yeah, so. but it doesn't come from that, and you don't see other people with like lots of other people with crazy stuff like that, right? And that's just it's something true. about the future capturing your imagination. Um, it's true. I yeah, Lo- Looper. It just it just irritated me. Um, because I, I wanted it to make more sense than it did. Back to the Future is kind of able to hide the things that don't make sense, I feel like. Um, but Looper, okay, so it, it couldn't hide it. I, I don't uh, know. Can I tell you, so uh, now that I'm remembering it, there is one scene, and this is the scene that I would tell people, everyone I knew who 
would go in and I, I knew they were going to think about it the way I think about movies. And I was like, look, and I would uh, not spoil. I would ta- tell them about one scene. I was like, look, there is a scene where one of the characters turns to the other and says, look, this is time travel. Just don't bother trying to make sense of it. And like when they just overtly tell you that, tell the audience that, I feel like you're like, okay, I can, you know what? That's fine. Like you're going ahead and setting the ground rules that this doesn't really make sense. Like the character inside the, inside the movie is trying to make sense. And they're like, just look, this is not going to make sense in your brain. It's just not going to fit. Just, just, so just go with it. (laughs) And it's just, when, when you're trying to make me take a movie as seriously as Looper wants me to take it seriously, right? Back to the future is not a serious movie. Uh, Doctor who not a serious show. Um, so I don't have to take the time travel as seriously, but Looper wanted me to take it seriously. That that's the, not the time travel necessarily, but the, the whole story as a whole, it was a dark thriller kind of story. That's the kind of story that wants some seriousness to be brought to the table. Um, and when you are asking me to take you seriously, I'm going to bring a serious brain. I um, I, and I guess that the thing is the, what it is trying to accomplish quite literally is tell a given story, not be shackled by the time travel thing, and really just try and toss it out and hope the audience will accept it. And, of course, some people did and some people didn't. Um, But it's very much trying to be like, look, there's a a story we want to tell. It only really works if we don't stick to really cohesive rules. So let's do this. Um, But, and I, I mean, I can obviously understand... Like I said, it doesn't make sense. And I can understand that annoying people, which is why I specifically told people, like, look, only go and see it if you think you can not be bothered by the fact that it doesn't make sense. Like, because it really, to me, it really is essentially back to the future level rules. But like you said, there's a more serious tone. And for a lot of people, I, I do agree that like for a lot of people that feels like it demands serious thought. Yeah, it, yeah, like it, it demands an actual rule set that fits. Um, right. And I get well, that. when it comes to a movie that has an actual rule set that fits in the Back to the Future mode of thought that makes sense, would be Primer. Yes. Well, uh, Back to the Future? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, you can is. change things. There are multiple timelines. Um, I don't know that there necessarily are. It's really come. There, there are definitely multiple timelines. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't know how much we want to spoil. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. That's a, that's a difficult. Um, man, that's primer's complicated, and everyone should go watch it several times in a row. Um, <laughs> preferably with some the like aspirin or Tylenol. It, uh, it will make no sense. <laughs> and the first time you watch it, really needs to be essentially in silence. You know, not with other people if you can help it, or at least not with other people who are going to talk during the movie. Um, and it's only an hour and fifteen minutes. It's true. It is a uh, yeah, it's like a really long Doctor Who episode. Yeah, I, I feel like Primer needs to not be explained. Um, but Primer is very much the only... <sighs> I feel like it's probably the only piece of time travel fiction that has... M- more than it, that's more than has very simple... Like, that has more than just very simple time travel that actually works completely. 
right? Like most of the, you might have one, like a story where it's just like, okay, this person is the only person who ever went back in time. They go back and you find out that they always went back. Right. Right. And that's it. And th- that's pretty easy to pull off. But once you have any more complicated, like multiple actors, um, on your timeline, that is with their own time machines, with their own time machines is like, that is not, I don't think I've ever seen anything actually pulled together the way primer does. I um, concur. And you're because, right. Now that I'm thinking about it, primer the difference has between, uh, you know, in, in back to the future, you have multiple people traveling back in time, but for the most part, there's only one time machine. Um, so the changes you can make are limited to that one time machine. Right. Um, Arguably, there are two time machines at one point because of, you know, yeah. the time travel. But <laughs> in, uh, in Primer, you have time machines within time machines within time machines. Um, yeah. So things – and you have multiple people. Uh, so things get complicated really fast. Yeah. And I think we should probably really leave fast. Primer alone at that because yes. that is a movie that just needs to be experienced and not time travel related – you should go watch his uh, the the dude's newer movie um, Upstream Color, which is not time travel but at, at all. But you should watch that after you watch Primer. Um, <laughs> just just throwing that out there. Um, <laughs> it's a very very different movie. Uh, anyways, um, going on similar thing. We've already brought up Doctor Who. Um, Doctor Who is very very inconsistent because <laughs> its goal is to entertain. Um, they have things that they. <sighs> They have things in the uh, timey-wimey, wibbly-wobbly uh, area of time travel, and then you have the fixed points of time concepts of time travel. <laughs> and it, it very much the idea is, what they try and get across is that time travel is fluid, except when it's not. And then sometimes when it's not, it turns out it really is. And you don't really know what the fixed ti- points of time are, but you can sort of figure it out sometimes, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's probably about as accurate a, definition, <laughs> a description of Doctor Who's time travel as I can provide. I I think that is true. I think Doctor Who tries to pretend the time travel makes sense uh, when it doesn't. Right. And, uh... I mean, the fact that in any given season, the only appearance of the Doctor that anyone who comes into contact with the Doctor is familiar with, despite the fact that he's going all over the place in time, is the current appearance, kind of nonsensical. Except for the Sarah Jane episode, which is so good. <laughs> I don't know it. So, uh, oh, oh, never you, mind. I do. You're the talking David about Tennant. Yeah, I do. Okay, but uh, but but it, it's kind of silly because it's like, look, if the Doctor has been, and we know he's been doing all kinds of traveling in like the latter half of the 1900s, because you know they try and do lots of contemporary episodes. There, you know, Unit, which for people who don't know Doctor Who, Unit is just a, it's a human task force essentially for dealing with alien stuff that is co-founded by the Doctor? The third Doctor, I think? Uh, Unit already existed when the third Doctor joined oh, it. okay. Anyways, but he, he played a significant role, because I believe the third Doctor was stranded on Earth or something. Yes. Um, and doing crazy stuff. Anyways, like, there are people at Unit who would have met multiple versions of the Doctor. There are lots of other people who would have met multiple versions. There are probably people all over time who are familiar with, like, they know the Doctor, but it doesn't really make sense for them to only know one version of him because you know if we're following along in his stories it seems pretty clear that after he takes a given companion they haven't met this you know such and such character before probably means that if they already know him they know a different form of him so lots of weirdness going on in doctor who um 
but right. it's fun. <laughs> and uh, and the fact that it doesn't try to take it, itself it is seriously. fun, and it, it doesn't try to take itself seriously. There there are things that uh, do bother me in Doctor Who. I I hate the uh, excuse people try to give um, when there's a particularly bad episode of Doctor Who, and they try to say, "Well, it's a kids show." That's, um, that's a terrible. We that's, will have an ep. We're gonna. We will have to discuss that later on. Right. We're yes. gonna have to have a whole episode on that because that is one of my big pet peeves in life. Yes. <laughs> we, we will. We will have an episode on children's media and how it should be taken seriously because that's not a pass. No. Right. Um, but. The time travel doesn't make sense, and for the most part, that's that's okay. I mean, there there aren't they, they're somehow p- simultaneously parallel time streams and not parallel time streams, and uh, things that were always meant to happen, but then it turned out the doctor caused them, uh, like the uh, Pompeii volcano. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the doctor's like, this is a fixed point in time. I can't interfere, and then it turns out his in- interference is what causes. The volcano. The thing. And then and then it's like, well, so was it really a fixed point in time? Or is it a fixed point in time that you always change it? Right. Right. Or there's a... I think that the episode that wants you to take this the most seriously is The Waters of Mars. Right? Mm, yes. Uh, which is one of the David Tennant specials after season four, before season five. Um, and the whole point of the episode is that the first Martian colony extended mars mission uh where people had been living on mars for a little while uh was a bust uh something happened everyone there mysteriously disappeared and the doctor knows this and when he arrives there he realizes that's where he is he's like i've got to go it's a fixed point in time um then he tries to change it and uh fails fails but also kind of not fails like yeah that's true it's it's confusing, <laughs> and, and, it's, and the point that they do try and drill home in the show because they they do bring up these objections in the show, and it comes to the point where he essentially says there are definitely fixed points in time. I don't really know what they are. I think I have an idea for some, but then sometimes I'm wrong. Right? That's, that's essentially like when you watch the show for a little while. That is essentially what they try and drill home. Is that like he tries to use his best judgment, but. His, na- his very nature stops him from just letting things go a lot of the time, and sometimes things happen anyways, because either he either it wasn't a fixed point in time, but he just couldn't do what was necessary anyways, or it was a fixed point in time and nothing he would have possibly tried would have worked. And you're not really sure. Um, and I guess that's the... Really, it's probably the best possible way they could have done it with this show, with a show that's been going on for decades and will hopefully go on for decades longer... You can't have a rule or like really fixed rules around time travel because you're going to run into the issue that we described with continuity in uh, right. in in the last episode or two episodes ago about how just ridiculous you can get if you have to you try and try and tie yourself into some weird weird rules for how things should go and then it, you restrain yourself from being able to tell the stories you want to. Um, so I, I definitely give Doctor Who a pass because it's clear that they know what they're, they know that they're not doing really effective time travel rules, and they know that there's no real way for them to, without turning it into like a one season show that ends. So, um, yes, um, I guess. Uh, so we previously we actually we talked about Terminator One and Two and how as a 
a sequel, Terminator 2, kind of didn't really follow the same rules as Terminator 1. And right. I actually have this, my, I believe I've discussed it on the show before, my very favorite video game of all time is Chrono Trigger, which is an old role-playing game for the Super Nintendo. And it is all about time travel. Um, the way I describe it to a lot of people is it's essentially Doctor Who in Japanese RPG video game form from 1994. Um, it's it's a combination of humorous uh, of humor and serious topics. Um, you do actually you you deal with the end of the world. Um, and as an interesting thing, because it's a time travel movie, there are actually or time travel game rather, there are actually thirteen different possible endings you can get. Um, the first time you go through, there's only I think two, depending on whether you do some. Well, technically, there's three because the game over ending on your first playthrough is one ending technically. Um, but then, and the, the game over ending is just, yep, the world was destroyed when we said it would be destroyed, and then there's various ways that you can stop it. And in the first, the first time you play through the game, you stop it at a given point, and that's the end of the game. And it's just a matter of whether you one particular thing that I'm not going to describe is something you take care of or not changes it a little bit. But after that, you can go back and restart the game with your existing characters and stuff, and it makes it easier to go through subsequent times. And it turns out that over the course of the game, there are multiple times you face the force that threatens the world. Um, and in that game, the uh, the end of the world takes place in 1999 AD, and there is, like, you know, the Earth exists afterwards, but the world has already ended, so it's, you know, there's almost nobody left. But, uh, but there's several times over the course of the game where you actually come into contact with that force, and you just assume, when your first time through, that, oh, okay, as part of the story, I was supposed to lose that. Turns out that if you're strong enough, you can actually win at different points in the game. And so you find on subsequent games that you're like, whoa, I just saved the world. And, <laughs> and as it does that, you find that there are different things that you could have changed and not changed. And so the endings are different because certain things in your character's timeline hadn't happened yet, which means that you didn't change certain things in different points in time. So they show you in the ending, they show you scenes from all over the timeline and it, and it essentially has one main timeline and they show you all that. And and you see certain things didn't change and certain things did change. And so, like, something you you change in, uh, I think it's like 3 million BC. Um, if there's something you didn't change yet at that point, well, then various cascading changes didn't happen. Um, it's, a, it's a really interesting sort of... It, it's a more Back to the Future-esque sort of thing where it they essentially make it so the people who are traveling through time aren't really affected by the fact that time that that they're changing time but everybody else is um and so when you go back in time you can change things you can actually save a character's mother and then you find out later if you go back to their home and their their so-called present the mother's alive but she was dead before and there's lots of little things there's you can go a few hundred years earlier and change the realm of a uh or change the way that a that a war goes by like shutting it down ahead of time. And then you find when you go back to a point, a few hundred years in the future from that point, everybody like the various groups are at peace instead of one group essentially being non-existent and, um, and the very few of them who remain hating the other group. Um, 
it, it's, it's a very fluid sort of thing. And, it, and the really interesting thing about Chrono Trigger, though, is it's a story that pretty satisfactorily... It takes place over the course of an entire world's existence. And then they made a sequel. And one of the biggest things that people... One of the roles that people had... Or arguments that people had against it was, well, how do you really make a sequel to a story that kind of covers an entire timeline? And turns out that in Chrono Cross, the sort of sequel to Chrono Trigger, they decided to go a different route and made it so you popped back and forth between two alternate worlds. Um, and you could see how certain changes made made two divergent worlds from one another, and you're trying to save the universe as a whole, because those two alternate timelines that you're just moving back and forth between are part of part of kind of the whole. And then you actually deter- do find at one point that the, the split that happened is based on the events in the first game. Um, so it's a really interesting way of, instead of doing a sort of chronological time travel thing, it's more of a, it work, operates more on the branching of time travel from a given point. Um, so, Which makes me think of, of course, the classic Ray Bradbury story, uh, A Sound of Thunder. Which I am not really familiar with, to be honest. So, Well, do you know the phrase, go back in time, step on a butterfly? Oh, yes, I do. That comes from this. Um, so it's a Ray Bradbury short story, uh, that has been made into a movie that, uh, it's not a terrible movie. Uh, it's not a fantastic movie. Um, (laughs) but, uh, Sound of Thunder. Oh, I didn't know that. So it was made into a same titled movie. Yes. Yes. Uh, there's also a Ray Bradbury theater episode, uh, that was made in the 80s that I actually watched growing up and was my first exposure to this story, um, which is the, the, the idea is that um, basically time travel has been invented um, and they have a guided safari where you go back in time and kill a T-Rex. Um, the T-Rex was supposed to die, so you're not changing anything there, right? Right. Uh, it like gets stuck in a tar pit or something and there's an exploding volcano. So it's going to die. Um, so I, while they're back in time, you know, they're warned, don't do anything. Don't step off the path. You know, we're just here to do this. And that's all you're here to do. Um, and then when they get back from the past, uh, things have changed. Now, depending on which adaption you're reading, watching, um, what has changed is different. Uh, but they realize the reason why things have changed is because one of the guys stepped on a butterfly. Um, he looks at the bottom of his boot and there, there's a butterfly, a dead butterfly. Mm-hmm. Um, in the original story, I think it was like a presidential election that was changed. Uh, in the Ray Bradbury theater, uh, the change caused uh, it, it caused the Nazis to win World War II, if I remember correctly. Um, so they come back and everyone's speaking German. Um, and uh, in the movie, it causes, like, this whole change in, like, uh, evolution, <laughs> which is, which is kind of funny and, and ridiculous. The, movie, the movie's weird. Um, enjoyable, but weird. Uh, so, yeah, it's the whole concept of you can change something small in the past and alter something huge in the present, the ripple effect, um, which is an idea that a lot of sci-fi... Um, not sci-fi. Um, I mean, hey, we, it, we would be remiss not to mention... A lot of time travel. <laughs> we'd be remiss not to mention uh, the, the time machine. 
That's true. Uh, <laughs> The, the time machine. Uh, also, I just thought of another fantasy example of time travel, which is my favorite video game of all time, Zelda and the Ocarina of Time. Oh, wow. Yeah. How <laughs> did that not occur to me? Yes. That is a very good one. I, okay. Uh, so well, I could talk about it, but I, you know what? It'd be nice to have you talk about a video game for a change. <laughs> Great. So, uh, as most of you probably know, I am not a video game uh, expert by any means. Uh, I remember my dad bringing Ocarina of Time home. (laughs) It was fantastic. And we played it. By we, I mean my brother. Uh, (laughs) And I watched. And uh, so, in the Ocarina of Time, you start out as a kid. but then you end up like sleeping for ten years, um, and so you become uh, I like a it's young. seven years specifically. Seven. Sorry, I, don't, I didn't Here mean to go. like <laughs> these, these things. Uh, these things stick out in your mind. <laughs> yes. So you end up sleeping for some period of time, and when you wake up, you are more grown up. Uh, and while you've been asleep, things have happened, uh, and you're trying to uh, stop the bad guy from being in charge right and you can travel back and forth between being a kid and being an adult and you have to do that to change things um and then in the end zelda sends you back in time (laughs) worst ending ever (laughs) but uh but but the idea you get there is that it's a forking timeline at that point right yes and what's interesting about this is that hyrule historia just came out um with an invalid timeline that is stupid it (laughs) is Interesting. It's stupid. Uh, I, I, I will so, not give it credit of anything other than being stupid. <laughs> the Ocarina, the, the Legend of Zelda games are theoretically supposed to take place within one timeline, uh, even though it doesn't make any sense. And uh, they tried to put forth a timeline where there are three forking timelines caused by the events of Ocarina of Time, yes. because that's the time travel game. And um, some I them- believe that it is invalid because there's an entire timeline that comes off of the hero being defeated, and that is not a valid outcome. <laughs> I, I concur that that's not an outcome we witnessed in the game, so therefore it is right. invalid. That is, that is the game um, over sequence that doesn't apply. I think that the, the two valid outcomes are what happens in the adult era when you win and what happens to the child you after you're sent back and have fixed the issue and can continue on to do your own thing. Right. right. Like those, that's fine. But anyways, we, we don't want to get too much into that because that, no, and, yeah. and Zelda has no continuity and it's okay. And, and it's really funny because this is just a sort of thing uh, Zelda is a great example of anti-continuity. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it's really funny because you know, um, they only did this because the fans have been asking for decades Right. And so they're like, okay, all this stuff that doesn't really fit, we'll, we'll slap it together. And the only way that we can possibly make it fit. That said, there is a thing, Mandy, that I will, and people, uh, everyone else should do it too, um, should check it out too. It's a thing that GameTrailers.com did. Um, and they, they did way back, uh, it wasn't Skyward Sword, it was before Twilight Princess came out, which was the Zelda game that came out with the Wii and right. was also on the GameCube. Um, and before that, when that was getting ready to come out, um, Game Trailers did like a 12 or 13 episode Ode to Zelda, where they discussed different <laughs> things. And one episode was, one or two episodes, was a timeline discussion. Now that was a really good timeline. Um, but of course, like subsequent games have kind of 
made it not really work. But that was really, it was really clever. Um, I will send the link to Mandy, but you can probably find it by just Googling, you know, game trailers, Zelda timeline, and it'll, it'll come up. And, and that's, that's way, way more fun. Uh, and, and I think it much, much more fits the spirit of Zelda up to the point where, up to the point where the games had actually come out that far. Um, but yes, anyways, li- like Mandy said, the, the, Zelda not having a real timeline is a really good... It's a really good usage of foregoing continuity as a previous topic that we've discussed on, but also not really worrying about overall time travel. But Ocarina of Time has clever sort of Back to the Future-esque. You change something as a kid, it changes something in the world that you're as an adult, and because you can only get to certain areas... When you're at, a kid. When you're at a kid, and vice versa. And, uh, and therefore, sometimes you need to jump into an area as a kid, change things in one room, like... And then go back as an adult because you can't change that thing, but you need to use the altered state of it. Um, and sometimes you get defect, you get stuck in the defective water temple because you have the first run of that game and uh, it's impossible to beat. <laughs> Bitter. Um, <laughs> but uh, let's go back and talk about the time machine, um, which is one of the first time travel stories. Uh, H.G. Wells, uh, right? Yes, H.G. Wells, uh, the time machine. there's also several movie renditions of this. Um, The classic being the one made in the 60s. Right. Um, Which I have seen that one. I don't believe I've seen any others. Oh, I have. (laughs) (laughs) I've read the book. Well, it is a book. Book is a generous term to give to something so short. But, uh, uh, and I have seen most of the, well, I won't say most because Sci-Fi Channel likes to come out with a fake rendition every couple of years. Would you like to call it a uh, novella? I guess I, I think it could be called a novella. Um, I, I have this huge H.G. Wells compilation of all of his novels, uh, so it's barely like fifty pages in there. <laughs> gotcha. But um, I'm sure everyone here knows the classic story: Victorian man discovers time travel, um, goes forward into the future, um, goes to a time when humanity has. Uh, further evolved into two classes of people uh, the Eloy and the Morlock and uh, based on his Victorian sensibilities uh, this man decides to change everything uh, <laughs> it's, it's an interesting story it is, uh, it is very much an interesting story especially when you read the novel uh, have, have you read it Michael? I've not read it I, I know the story because Right. Yeah, it's just a story that is easy to know. <laughs> what's What's very interesting about the the the, the words that H. G. Wells wrote is that uh, our time traveler, who has no name, um, he doesn't know a lot about the Morlocks at all. Yeah, uh, and he basically makes a snap judgment based on how the Morlocks look compared to how the Eloy look. And decides which side he's going to side with. Um, for, for those of you who don't know, the Morlocks live underground um, and they're less pretty. The Eloi live above ground and they're a little more childlike and pretty. Um, and the movies, they make it more clear that the Morlocks eat the Eloi, which uh, makes it more okay makes for the a, outcome. A more story. reasonable judgment call. Right. But in the uh, actual novel, it's not clear that the Morlock eat the Eloy. Um, it, it's kind of insinuated by our time traveler's thoughts, 
but he has no it's all speculation um he sees the morlocks like eating meat (laughs) and goes as far as assuming it's the eloy which uh I can find nothing in the story backing up why it would be the Eloy. (laughs) And even if it was, he's still a man who has come forward into the future and based on being there for like a day as making snap judgments on this whole society uh, and deciding to change things for himself, which is, of course, the the danger of time travel, right? Um, Whether you're from the past traveling into the future or in the future traveling into the past, you don't necessarily know the whole picture and you come back and you make decisions based on your reference and uh, without the big picture you could be doing something terrible like the genocide of the Morlock people yeah yeah I, I mean there's not it, it's it's definitely a classic you like time travel stories you obviously like it's kind of the time travel story um, yes <laughs> I mean it's, it is pretty much a straightforward commentary on the dangers of time travel uh, or the the issues with time travel. I'm, I'm, there's not really a whole lot else to be said about it, I feel like. I mean, I'm sure that people have written papers on it, so there's plenty more, to, but not necessarily much more that for us to go into in this context. Um, I, I definitely think it's worth the read uh, for anyone who wants to go back and read it. Uh, it's not very long. Um, and I wish It's a little weird. <laughs> I had completely forgotten, but uh, at... At a recommendation from a podcast a few months ago, I picked up a, a Heinlein's All You Zombies, which is a, I believe, a time travel story, and it's like 19 pages, and I still just haven't gotten to reading it, which you'd think I would just do it in an afternoon. Maybe I'll do it today. <laughs> um, but uh, that's something to throw out there that I've heard a lot of good things about. Um, I've only read one piece of Heinlein, and was not a big fan, but I'm glad I read it. Um, that was a stranger in a strange land. So I'm pretty sure I can handle reading 19 pages of it. 19 pages. Yeah. Um, what's interesting about, about time travel and books in particular is I feel like books do it less than movies. And, uh, I don't know if there's a reason why. Um, um, I was probably, I guess one thing about movies is it allows you to do, some really interesting things visually that is, so it's, it's sort of fun to do because then you get to theme entire times of like with different decor and different appearances and things in, in a way that you don't, you know, a book you can kind of, it, it doesn't, it's not something you're as desperate to do in a book, right. To add distinctive areas of your movie visually and, and with, or of your, of your thing, because the visuals aren't a thing in a book, right? You have plenty of other. But the visuals things. are not necessarily what's important to time travel. I... No, it's not. But I believe, I... and certainly in some of the stories that we talked about, they're like primer. It's not really significant at all. Um, but in Back to the Future, you know, part of that is just how exciting it is to show different timelines, you know, up on screen in one movie. Um, it's sort of, and I'm, of course, I'm not saying that this is why we see more in movies, but it's so if somebody gets in their idea, gets in their head that yeah, this would be really cool as a uh, to be able to show all these different things on screen. It's less of a motivator for a book. Like you just kind of tell the story you want to tell with a book. Um, with a movie, I, it might be that you want to have a sort of gimmick that might be perfectly worthy cause. Like I don't, I don't mean gimmick in the negative way that a lot of people say it. I kind of really like gimmicks, but. Um, but it gives you 
thematic gimmicks to use that you can sort of hinge the movie experience on. Um, which makes me think that maybe that some of the time that might be a motivator when it's basically none of never the motivator in books, you know? Possibly. I mean, I've read some, some good, uh, time travel stories. Um, I, I enjoyed (laughs) at least half of, uh, Oh my gosh, what's it? Company of the Dead. That's oh, called. speaking of reading uh, time travel, Harry Potter. Oh, yes. <laughs> Harry Potter is a perfect example of a 12 monkeys camp of thought. Perfect. Uh, yeah. Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban, the time travel that never comes back into the Harry Potter universe ever again. Right. Uh, and of course, people, <laughs> people ask, you know, it's funny because of course after, after your uh, Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban, people ask, well, why don't you just get the time turner and turn it back a bunch of times? And the answer is, because we didn't, right? Like, <laughs> I mean, that's essentially it. <laughs> because, because they didn't, as you, if you're paying attention to Prisoner of Azkaban, you know that every single time they used the time travel thing, we had already passed the point where it took an effect. And so we know it happened. Um, and therefore, it only happens if you already did it. And the dangers involved are such that people try to avoid doing so. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, I still think it would be worth a try. Uh, if I was in the Harry Potter universe, totally. I would gladly give my life to try to try to go back in time and kill It'd be Voldemort. interesting to have somebody else observing to see what goes wrong. Yes. If nothing else. <laughs> be like, you, yes, you turn, you, uh, Hermione turns back the time turner, like, you know, several years before and then like accidentally pops in front of a bus and gets hit or something. Like, <laughs> I mean, it's like, yep, yeah, we tried, didn't do anything. Um, or that's when you realize you went back in time and it did work, but somehow you're the person who, like, ended up giving Voldemort a lollipop or something, yeah. you know, inconsequential. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, there, there are other books with um, time travel. Uh, Connie Willis's Blackout and All Clear are uh, good examples. Um, the Time I Traveler's mentioned, Wife, uh, which I have not read or watched and really want to. Um, what? The Time Traveler's Wife. Oh, I have watched. I have not read. Uh, I was told not to read. Okay. Uh, <laughs> by a source I trust. I, 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 um, want to, I do want to at least watch it. Um, I have not been told I, either way on the book. So it, it's, an, it's an enjoyable movie. Um, I watched it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, it sounds like we don't have much to say about that one. Um, do we have uh, yeah, I, You know, it's another great time travel movie. What? Bill and Ted. So, uh, thing about that movie. <laughs> I have not seen it. <gasps> yeah, I know. I know. Wow. Um, yeah. Wow. I know, I know. So, um, I saw Bogus Journey first. Um in high school, I didn't see Excellent Adventure. And I remember being confused. And I remember asking my dad about it. And he was like, oh, you haven't seen Excellent Adventure? And then he explained it to me, but we didn't rent it. <laughs> uh, and I didn't see Excellent Adventure until I was babysitting one night. And uh, my the girl I was babysitting had already gone to bed. And I'm flicking through the channels. And Excellent Adventure was on. <laughs> so then I finally got to see. And Bogus Journey made a lot more sense. But... Uh, <laughs> That that's definitely more of a uh, twelve monkeys kind of time travel uh, 
but in a ridiculous way. Is uh, Slaughterhouse Five a time travel movie? I have not seen it. Um, I haven't seen it either. Or read it, rather. I guess is what I, there's probably a movie, but read it. I don't know anything about Slaughterhouse Five. Okay. Other than that there's it, a lot of cursing, apparently, and that it's a classic. Uh, yeah. So. <laughs> Um, is, that a, is that a Kurt Vonnegut novel? Yes, that's correct. Uh, oh, Restaurant at the End of the Universe by Douglas Adams? Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I guess... I don't even remember it other than the fact that it was hilarious. Uh, how did the time travel work in that one? I don't remember much about it other than the actual restaurant at the end of the universe. It's been over a decade since I read that book. Yes, me as well. I think it is. I'm thinking it's been 15 years since I read it. Yeah. Wow. I I just remember it being funny that the restaurant at the end of the universe is at the end of the universe. Like you think it's like location wise, but it's, it's time. (laughs) Oh, it's um, the end of time. <laughs> also, another one that I've been attempting to read but haven't really yet, um, Mandy's, your second favorite book, I believe. Is it your second favorite book? Is it A Wrinkle in Time? I oh, yes. Uh, second favorite book. Is yes. that a time travel thing, sort of? Or, no. is the, or is the time quartet, kind of? Okay, so A Wrinkle in Time is like a lot of stuff happens... And no time passes back on Earth. So in that uh, sense, it's time travel. Okay. Uh, the time travel book would, well, Many Waters is a time travel book. and That's in that series. And um, A Swiftly Tilting Planet is also a time travel book. Uh, in Many Waters, uh, Sandy and Dennis travel back to Noah's Ark and... Uh, help build the ark actually uh, in a swiftly tilting planet charles wallace has to travel through time to make changes so that a terrorist doesn't like destroy the earth in the present um they're, they're both good books not as good as a wrinkle in time um but not as terrible as a wind in the door so <laughs> uh but a wrinkle in time is actually not a time travel story okay all right I guess I just always had assumed it was. No, uh, the wrinkle refers to the fact that the uh, time on Earth has been wrinkled so that they can go have this adventure and come back and no time will have been passed. Okay. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I mean, it's sort of like a... It's more like a parallel thing that... that has a variable variable time. I mean, you could sort of say almost uh, Chronicles of Narnia esque, where you leave and uh, although Chronicles of Narnia is wait, is that also essentially no time has passed, or is it random amount of time has passed that probably isn't random much? amount of time pass okay. in Chronicles of Narnia because almost no time passes between Prince Caspian and Voyage of the Dawn Treader, but Caspian's entire life passes between Prince Caspian and between Voyage of the Dawn Treader and Silverchair. So. There's no rhyme or reason to uh, how time passes between worlds. So, while we're talking about time travel... Yes. Michael, why do you think time travel is such a popular trope in fiction? Because every single person on Earth has always thought of, what if I had done something different? Or what if I could go back to this time? Or 
what if I could go to the future and see how things turn out? Like, it's just a thing that's constantly in people's minds. And it's just such an obvious, it's something we're always wondering about. So it's just a fantastic, like, just such an obvious thing to explore in good stories. Just kind of be like, well, do you really want to know what if? We could tell some interesting stories about what if. And then sometimes you find out, eh, I probably don't want to know what if. <laughs> Maybe we're better <laughs> off, like, because there's always the, there are the stories that tell you that, yeah, basically just don't bother because it's a bad idea. And then there's the stories that, you know, kind of fulfill our fantasies and let us change things for the better in every way. Um, but I think that's it. It's just, who, I don't think there have ever been people who didn't think about wanting to go back and change something that they or somebody else have done or want to jump to the future and skip some of the stuff that they're doing now because they assume the future will be better. Um, yeah. What do you think about that? <laughs> I, I think I concur. Uh, it's interesting that it took so long for a time travel story to be written. Um, granted, there wasn't a lot of science fiction or fantasy before the Victorian era. Um, because it has to be something that people have always thought about. Um, right. What if I could go back? I'm trying to think, what is... Would it, a Christmas Carol is probably the oldest one I can think of that would be... Because that's sort of time travel, right? It, it is sort of time travel. And it's the sense that he can go back and view past and views But he can't the, change And them. views the potential future. Um, right. As well. So there's something... Um, I'm trying to think... Can I, I can't think of anything older than that. Um, here, that's let me not Google to say it. That there isn't. But, um, although who knows, I'm sure that someone in like Japan or China or, you know, wrote a story about visiting the future. Um, there, um, I think the closest thing that other people, that older stories may have gotten to was the, was the trope of someone falling asleep and waking up in the distant future. Right. Yeah. Um, I'm sure that happened a lot. It Uh, it did. So, yes. Um, and, th- and that was more a story of how the world will change, um, but less you as an individual actor going through time and changing things yourself or trying to and failing to. Um, yeah. I'd... Hmm. Yeah, most of, I just Googled it. Most of them have to do with um, people from, the older stories have to do with people traveling into the future, uh, usually via going to sleep captain america-esque okay um, um or uh shoot what's his name the uh the the guy who is it 70 years that he falls asleep? oh my gosh classic story that i can't think of right now rip van winkle yes that's the one is it 70 uh or is it i thought he slept for a hundred is it a hundred i'm not entirely sure oh man this is i feel so uh, unprepared for this <laughs> for this yeah. discussion right i mean now. but th- there are so many things that uh people are like oh if you could go back and prove this or that like you know historians would love time travel obviously uh, absolutely, um, yeah <laughs> but time travel is innately uh dangerous unless 12 monkeys is true but even in the case where 12 monkeys is true um many things they did misled them in the future right uh, things probably would have been better off if they hadn't tried to travel in time. <laughs> Maybe? Maybe. Maybe. I mean, I don't think it would have stopped what happened, but uh, I We'd... think they wouldn't have been as misled. 
Right. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, what other? I don't want to spoil it. Huh? Yeah, no. Let's let's not stro- let's not spoil. It. I'm trying <laughs> to think. I can't. Uh, so okay, let's let's review a little bit. So we we essentially started off saying that there are two types of time travel. I think maybe we could actually split one of them into two. Because we said, you know, essentially there's the immutable timeline, the one you can't change, um, because everything already happened and will happen again, um, 12 Monkeys-esque. Um, there is, and then we said the one about being able to change it, and you could probably split that into alternate timelines versus one changeable timeline. Um, of course, one changeable timeline never makes sense, because, right. you know, you would have to have some caveat for time changes for everyone except for the person who goes through the machine. Um, but then that doesn't really make sense either. And then you have the alternate timelines one. So it's, yeah, it's kind of tough to split those. Um, cause the parallel ones, you can make it makes more sense again if you have it. So it's, you can change time, but you're really just making alternate timelines. Um, and that is sort of the explanation, but man, that's a complicated thing. That just made me think of one of my favorite time travel things that we haven't discussed at all. What is it? Quantum Leap. <laughs> Which I don't know almost anything about. So have, have fun. So Quantum Leap is a late 80s, early 90s television show. Uh, in which a man, Dr. Sam Beckett, invents, event, invents the capability to travel within one's own lifetime. Uh, but in order to do so, it's essentially like a body swap. Um, you go into somebody else's life, uh, and they go into your life in the future. Um, so they actually keep Sam's body in the lab. Uh, so when people come into the future, they're just like there, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. though there is one episode where, uh, the guy who goes into his body escapes, uh, cause he like jumps into a criminal. Um, so he's going back in time and the goal is he's supposed to change things in people's life uh, to make their life better. Um, well, at least he's, he's basically stuck in this. He's trying to get home and he can't and he keeps leaping from life to life. Uh, I, I could quote the opening monologue, but I won't. Um, <laughs> okay, keep and, going. I, I just thought of another one, so continue. I've got a good example, but sorry. Uh, and what's great is most of the time he's only ch- he's only supposed to change small things. Uh, he's not allowed to change big things. Uh, but it's interesting how how sometimes his different actions affect things. Like um, he jumps into Lee Harvey Oswald like three times. Uh, over the course of like two episodes and he thinks he's there to stop the JFK assassination um, but he can't well he, he shouldn't because he's not supposed to change big things right. um, but also he just fails to do so um, and he's really upset at the end and he doesn't understand what his purpose there was and then when Al who is his uh, he, he's Al is from the future but Sam can see him in the past via like a hologram that's tuned into Sam's brainwaves. Um, Al tells him that originally uh, Jackie O was supposed to die in the assassination as well. So he saved her. Uh, So you're like, oh, that's clever. Um, But there's so many little things that also tie together the series as a whole. Like it's a very episodic series. Very episodic because, you know, it's late 80s, early 90s. That's the way television was. Um, (laughs) But 
when you get to the end of the series, you're kind of like, oh, that there, there was like this underlying thread that all makes sense now. And it's it's a really clever show. It's a great show. Uh, you should go back and watch it sometime. <laughs> okay. uh, it comes on G4 like I every day. just thought of three examples that I can't believe I forgot. Um, all right. What are they? Groundhog Day. Ah, uh, yes. That is a good time travel movie. Um, for anyone who doesn't know the premise, Groundhog Day is a movie in which the main character, uh, shoot, what's the actor's name? Um, uh, man, can't think of his name right now. We, wow. I normally always know this. Yes. Um, anyways, he, uh, he is obnoxious and he is a reporter who is reporting on the groundhog for Groundhog Day. Um, and he's in a, what's the place Punxsutawney something like that yeah Pennsylvania Punxsutawney um yeah. he is so he has to go and report on whether the groundhog shows or not because that's supposed to tell us when spring comes and what day it happens in is not really significant it just happens to be on groundhog day um and you know he doesn't want to be in this in this town and he goes and he's obnoxious to everyone is ready to get out of the town the next day goes to sleep and then he wakes up and Groundhog Day is starting again. So he goes to sleep and he wakes up and it's the same day again. And everyone else is oblivious to it. And everything is happening exactly as it was, except for however he changes things. And this starts to happen over and over and over. And we have no idea how much time has passed by the end in terms of how many times he's experienced the same day. We know it's a lot because you actually see this repetition, of course, you know, First, since he's an obnoxious person to begin with and he doesn't care what other people think about him, he uses that to his advantage and he just is mean to people a lot. And then eventually he starts to get really tired of that and starts to kind of use the opportunity to... Well, he, he his spirit changes a little bit. He wants to kind of uh, to make things nice and stuff, but he sort of, sort of tries to cheat, cheat fate um, by learning things that other people do to for his own benefit, even if it looks good to other people, but he's really doing it for himself. And then eventually that backfires on him and he figures out, you know what? Maybe I should just try and be nice to other people. And eventually he is, and it's kind of fantastic. And, you know, and it's a story arc that you see coming a mile away and it's all a matter of how it happens. It's just so clever. And, um, and then eventually the cycle breaks, I think. Does the cycle break? I. Uh- it, he gets out of it at the end. Yeah, okay, yes. so the cycle does break. And, we, and the really neat thing about it is it is very much, it never explains at all, in the slightest, why this is happening and why it doesn't. And from what I understand, they actually did have an explanation for it um, recorded, and they decided the movie was better without it. Um, which is probably true, because you could probably explain it. Not but everything just, needs to be explained. Right. Um, other than that, two uh, recent movies... Um, Midnight in Paris. Have you seen that? Yes. Yeah. (laughs) You want to know why I've seen Midnight in Paris? Why? Because Tom Hiddleston's in it. Okay. (laughs) Well, Midnight in Paris is a a really interesting sort of uh, thing where the main character goes back, just, he finds a way to go back. Is it the 20s that he goes back to? Is that right? Yes. 1920s. He he goes back to the 20s in Paris, and he's a romantic, and he just, and it's... It's purely like the most romantic, uh, and I don't mean that in the love romance way, but in the 
storytelling way in the like it, it's it's sort of a, it's a romantic story in that it's just the positives of time travel without really any of the negatives it's just kind of a fantasy um and it's tons of fun uh do you have anything to say about that one i uh, that if i was owen wilson <laughs> in this scenario because uh, he is the main character i would be a little more concerned about the implications of time travel yeah I think a big thing, too, is that he doesn't seem to actually catch on to what's really going on. Like, he doesn't really understand. He thinks that it's a way to just... He seems to seems to feel like he's just seeing these people or something, but his character seems kind of dumb. But, like, lovable yes. dumb. You know? Yes, but it's just like, how... I mean, you're a modern person. Have you gone through your life without having seen Back to the Future? I'm. <laughs> and it's, it's so funny, of course, because... Like you understand completely all the frustrations with him that other people that like the mod- the family that he had or the people that he's on the trip with have because yeah. he's not very smart and he's kind of but at the same time you you just have to like him because he's silly in ways that are endearing um, and part of that is in yes. his complete lack of comprehension of the significance of his time traveling um, yes <laughs> I'm just gonna give drugs to Zelda Fitzgerald and see how that goes. <laughs> And finally, safety not guaranteed. I cannot believe I haven't I seen it yet. Oh, I, I'm, so I won't spoil it. That is a story you need to see. That is. I know. I had it on my list of things to watch before this, but I didn't get around. Oh, to see, it. if I had known it was on your list, because I forgot about it. If I had known it was on your list, I would have told you to just like stop whatever you were doing and watch it. Um, <sighs> safety not guaranteed is one of those movies where, and I'm I'm not going to spoil anything at all. Um, I went in knowing literally nothing except the basic premise, which is that uh, a guy has an ad in a classified ad in a paper asking for people to accompany him in time travel. And it implies that and it says something like, you know, must bring your own weapons. Uh, I've only done this once before. And the and some people, the protagonist or the main characters from are from a magazine. And they're like, well. We're looking for an interesting story to write, so uh, let's go see what's up with this guy. This guy, because of course they want to see like what's up with this crazy guy. And it starts off as sort of like you you start watching it and you're like, okay, it's a somewhat charming indie movie, and it just gets better and better and better from beginning to end. Like by the end, you're just sitting there, like edge of your seat, like you know, really, really just you're like, oh my gosh, what is going to happen? And you're just getting really, really excited by the end. It just has a way of just. It doesn't stop. The movie just keeps going and going and gets better until the end. Um, and I mean, including the end. It doesn't let you down. Uh, so definitely a movie that you need to see. Um, and there's lots of discussion about time travel in it. Um, seeing as the guy obviously believes he's traveled through time before. Um, so yeah, pretty, pretty darn solid. Um... There, uh, so you were talking about um, shoot Quantum Leap, and that makes me think of a non time travel show, which is uh, I I used to watch it because when I was little I would just turn the TV on anytime I was at home. Uh, Morning Edition. Um, yes, and Morning Edition. <laughs> and Morning Edition, I barely remember the it's kind of, the of show. time travel. Uh, okay, so the premise of the show is that a guy gets an, he gets tomorrow's newspaper today, right? So he knows what's going to happen. And he makes it his job to stop the bad things from happening. Right. 
and, and of course, you know, if you're if you're clearly like he's a person who frequently ends up in places he probably shouldn't be, and that and that's all kinds of fun. But there's one particular episode that talking about Quantum Leap reminded me of, and that is an episode where he wakes up and he's in the past with the paper from the next day about the Great Chicago Fire. And I don't, re- I don't remember what scenario he get, like why he ended up in the past, or and I don't know that they ever explain it. But it was a really weird sort of like, you know, he already knew about the Great Chicago Fire, and so he had to figure out how to stop that. And it turns out that he caused it, <laughs> uh, or he and other people, like he, in trying to stop it, it happened. Like they, he stopped the initial cause of the uh, of the Great Chicago Fire. And then some, like, mob thing happened, and he was involved, and he tried to explain what happened, and no one would believe him, and so then he's just like, fine, the cow knocked over the lantern. (laughs) And that's it. So it turns out that, you know, he just went with the explanation that people would believe because he already knew that they would believe it. And it was really, (laughs) really, really funny. Um, um, There's... Yeah, I don't know. Uh, there's so much other stuff. Uh, there's heroes, but frankly, time travel is introduced after the show dropped off being awesome. There's only one season of heroes, Michael. That's Well, there's one season and there's the last five minutes of it. In which case, you're like, well, what just happened? And you're kind of left wondering why they're, why they're going that way. Um, so there is time travel in the one season of heroes. <laughs> um uh, there is, I believe, Fringe has time travel in the seasons I've never watched. Um, there was Almost that... every sitcom has a time travel episode. Yeah. Yeah. But now I think... I know... remember the Boy Meets World time travel episode, where I... he ends up in uh, the 1950s. Oh, Everyone okay. thinks he's a communist. Right, 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 right. Right. Of course, that was all caused because Sabrina, the teenage witch made that time ball and Salem the cat ate it and ended up traveling through all of TGIF and causing all the TGIF episodes to travel back in time. Oh, man, I loved Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Me too. <laughs> um, so uh, there's also really fun stuff that doesn't make sense like uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Turtles in Time. I wasn't going to go with the movie. I'm going with the video game for the Super Nintendo and Arcade Turtles in Time where you don't really have much of a story but the, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and the first two levels you're first two or three levels you're fighting it's three levels you're fighting in the modern age and then shredder sends them back in time and then you just keep fighting through time warps and it's really just a fun way of making it so that you get to fight dinosaurs or around dinosaurs and pirates and the american west and then go to the future (laughs) before you go back to the present and kick shredder's butt um, <laughs> oh, speaking of uh, time travel games, one of my favorite games when I was like, younger that was a computer game was uh, Where in Time is Carmen, Carmen Sandiego. Carmen Sandiego, yeah. Yes. <laughs> I was the, that is the only game I was good at growing up. Um, and I was the only one in my family who could navigate us across the Atlantic when we were with Christopher Columbus. <laughs> um, so anytime anyone else got to that spot, I had to navigate us across the Atlantic. It's it's very interesting the way that time travel can be used in in video games too because all of a sudden it, they can use it even both as a mechanic but also as a little bit of storytelling. Um, the first modern Prince of Persia game on the GameCube, PS2, and Xbox 
was uh, is called The Sands of Time. Um, and the there's viewer- a movie. I'm sorry. There's a movie. Yeah, and the movie is kind of based on it. It's not especially like I, I enjoyed the movie, but it's not. It's loosely based on the old video game. Uh, and I say the old video game, but the original Prince of Persia was from way back, like uh, the 80s. But uh, it, So it was a reimagining, and they added a dagger, which is in the movie, where the, the prince can... He can turn back time just a little bit with it. And, um, and they do this fascinating thing where they, they use it because it's all platforming, and you run off of ledges and, you're, and stuff, and so you can rewind up to a couple of seconds to undo a jump you just attempted, which is a ton of fun. Um, but they do this clever thing because it's a framing story. So he is, the main character is narrating the story as you go. And he tells you, and then I met so-and-so and I did this. And every time you die, he's like, no, 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 that's not really how it happened. And it steps back. And it was just really funny the first few times I, uh, I heard that. It was just a fun way of making the game over thing in a, a frequent deaths in a video game make like sort of a play with the knowledge of how that works when you're trying to actually tell a story. Cause it's like, clearly the person didn't die a hundred times and he's like, mm. no, no, that's not how the story happened. Um, it went like this and then it lets you try again. And then it just continues telling the story as long as you continue through, um, which is a lot of fun. <laughs> uh, there is, um, yeah. Oh, one of my favorite TV time travel episodes is the uh, Deep Space Nine travel back in time to Trouble with Tribbles episode. Uh, I, I'm so, not really familiar, so... So, you know in Star Trek, the Trouble with Tribbles episode? The I original series? I have not actually seen the Trouble with Tribbles yet. So, it, it's a classic episode. Uh, and in, in Star Trek, <laughs> there's a lot of time travel. Oh, which brings one of the greatest time travel movies of all time. How did I forget? <laughs> the Voyage Home. Is that the one with, uh, with whales? First, the Trouble Tribbles Deep Space Nine episode. Uh, <gasps> yes, the one with the whales. Uh, in Deep Space Nine, they travel back to the Trouble with Tribbles episode. It's fantastic because you realize it's basically a 12 monkeys situation where the Deep Space Nine crew was always there. Um, and it's, it's hilarious is what it is. Um, but going back to one of the greatest time travel movies of all time. The Voyage Home, Star Trek Four, this movie. If you have not seen it, you must do so now. You don't even have to see any other Star Trek movie. I can't as long it, as you have Andy. a passing familiarity with the characters. You can't do what? I, I, I can't skip things when I intend to actually watch them. <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay, so growing up, I had only ever seen Star Trek Four. And then we went back and watched 1, 2, and 3 when we asked the, the question, why are they in a clean-on ship? And then my mom was like, I guess it's time. We must go back and watch these movies. Um, Star Trek 4 is hilarious. It is, it is hilarious. It's, I quote it all the time. Uh, and what's great is some of the people I work, have actu- I work with have actually seen it, so they quote it too. Um, but uh, Speaking of Star Trek yes. and time travel... The City on the Edge of Forever, I believe, is... uh, Yes. That is one of the few episodes... So I saw that in college in an intro to science fiction class. Or not intro to, a science fiction class. And that was actually the first episode of Star Trek that I ever saw. And (laughs) it's also supposed to be one of, if not the best, 
Um, it's pretty darn good. It, that is the one I'm thinking of, right? With the uh, they go back. Yes. And yeah, okay. To the 30s. Yes, and they all accidentally alter history, and then realize that they can't actually alter it, despite the fact that they want to, because it makes things worse in the long run. Um, yep. Pretty. Yep. I don't Sometimes really people just story. have to die. That is a story. <laughs> as someone who doesn't like skipping things and has a lot of trouble doing it, I mean, I had to watch that episode in like in my class. You do not have to have ever watched any Star Trek whatsoever to just. It's a great story on its own. Um, I highly recommend people just putting that on. It's uh, it's called The City on the Edge of Forever, and I think is it the second to last episode of the first season or the last episode? I have no idea. It's near the end of the first season. Like it's in the first season. I'm pretty sure. Um, yes. So that is my mom would know. <laughs> um, <laughs> Speaking of TV episodes and time travel, there is the uh, there is Futurama, which I don't I haven't actually even seen the episode, but I've heard of this one episode where uh, in Futurama where they have the the grandfather paradox, which I believe something about I think it ends up in the main character Fry like visiting his grandfather and then killing him or something and then becoming his own grandfather or something. I'm not really sure. I, it, it's, it's pretty, pretty nonsensical because he goes back and I think that is, I think he goes back to protect his grandfather and then his grandfather dies anyways, but he finds he still exists and they can't figure out why. And it turns out he's his own grandfather, which is kind of messed up. It's kind of like, uh, Kate and Leopold, which I haven't uh, seen. Uh, there's time travel and grandparents involved. Is it? Is it anything? It's not quite. At least it's not. You know, Calvin Klein from uh, from Back to the Future. <laughs> Every single time I see that scene, I'm just like, oh my gosh, so so weird. Okay, so, so weird. actually, Kate and Leopold might be at that level of weird if you think about it too much. Okay, all right. <laughs> uh, good movie. Uh, you would enjoy it, Michael. I'm sure. Um, I would. I'm sure I would. Um, but. Yeah, there there is some uh, time travel implications that are uh, weird. <laughs> oh, so we were we were talking about things, and I just keep looking around my room and seeing random objects like video game devices and things. Ghost Trick Phantom Detective for the Nintendo DS, but is also available in a not quite as good version on the iPad and iPhone for a lot cheaper. Um, it's like, I think the app is free, but you have to buy the, the chapters in it, and it's totally worth it. And it's a game, it's essentially a puzzle game, but each puzzle, like, you you have to go over a, an ex, a given amount of time, and you're essentially a spirit trying to, you know that you have to figure out how you were killed, and how a bunch, and you're trying to solve a bunch of other detectives, or, like, as a detective, like, trying to figure out a whole bunch of other things... And some, every once in a while, like, something will happen, you'll be in a new scene, and you can only rewind time to four minutes before a given person dies after going to their thing. And then you have to try, you have four minutes to prevent that death. And it's it's a very, very fun and clever puzzle game that I recommend to basically everyone who likes puzzles. Um, and it's, the story, honestly, is a pretty darn interesting detective storyline that just uses short-term, like, short 
reverse time travel as to really great use. Um, and it's a pretty quick game, I believe. I mean, it takes several hours to play, but you can play it chapter by chapter. Um, it's a lot of fun. I definitely recommend it to anybody who has a Nintendo DS, if you can find a cartridge for cheap enough. Um, otherwise, get it on an iPad or your iPhone, and I believe it comes on both if you have, you know, buy it on one or the other. Um, lots of fun. But, uh, and that, that's a thing, video games do that a lot more than uh, movies tend to, short-term time travel, where you just go back just a little bit to alter things the slightest bit, because they'll come up with ways for, because it gives you a mechanic, a, a mechanic to work with in order to change the way things work, uh, change the way things just happened, and then, because if you fail, then you can just keep jumping back, like, the four minutes, over and over again, and that doesn't really make sense in a movie. Um... That reminds me of uh, Majora's Mask. How can we forget which, about uh, that? Two Zelda games. I've never actually seen someone beat. <laughs> uh, but you have to stop this and stop the, what, the moon from crashing into yes. wherever you are within three days. Uh, and you're given a song so, or a mask or something so you can travel back in time. It's a, um, yeah, so it's a, time, it's a song that you play. And uh, so the premise of Majora's Mask, uh, The Legend of Zelda Majora's Mask, which was the next Zelda game that came out after Ocarina of Time. So clearly Nintendo was very time travel focused at the time. Um, <laughs> it did a, is you would go and you were the child link from the child timeline of Ocarina of Time after you won. And you went to another land. Instead of Hyrule, you were in uh, Termina, I believe, is what it was called. And you go and you interact with a bunch of people, and essentially you see the same exact world unfold over and over. Because at the end of the three days, the moon is going to destroy, is going to crash into the into the land and kill everybody. So you keep jumping back in time over and over and over again to alter things just a little bit here and there. And each time you go back, none of the changes stick except for the changes applied to yourself and to what stuff you're carrying with you. So you gradually accumulate things and make slight alterations that enable you to accumulate more things. And eventually, you have the right set of objects that you can finally go and stop the moon from crashing. And it's a it's a very very interesting time travel story. It's, it's almost um, not almost. It's very much very much like uh, Groundhog Day in that it's the same time period repeating over and over again, except that you yourself are actually traveling back instead of just waking up. Because um, in Groundhog Day, the main character wakes up in the same state he was, like wake, wearing the same you know wearing the same clothes he was when he went to sleep, and so on and so forth, or when he went to sleep the night before the time repeat started happening. Um, in this case, when you go back in time, you're actually jumping back, and therefore it's a little bit... It doesn't make some sense, because you would think that you'd have multiple links running around, but and you don't, but uh, totally worth giving it a pass for that. I am, I'm really drawing a blank on any more time travel stories, though. It's a... There's lots of really clever ways, especially in video games, where there's lots of really clever ways of just doing some crazy stuff with storylines, and um, and there's a lot of good time travel stories out there, and there's a lot of bad ones, like everything in the comics, uh, in main DC and Marvel comics, which is why I haven't mentioned any, and people who know how much that mechanic is used in comics might be wondering why, but I just don't think any of those stories are worth talking about, because they're pretty much all bad. Uh, <laughs> So I, I mean I could I could bring up like a million more, but um, 
I think this podcast is going long, so maybe uh, we should end it with just both talking about why we love time travel stories um, or not. We can. Um, I mean, I again, I like. I, I'll just go ahead and start, and I'll let you cap it off. Um, I really like time travel stories because I like the idea of being able to see what happened, what what could happen in various scenarios that are just not possible. Um, I especially love time travel stories to to the past, with people have they feel, especially when it turns out that being from the future and knowing things that others don't doesn't actually like when it turns out that it doesn't actually give you the same leg up that you would have assumed it would. I tend to think that those stories are kind of hilarious and awesome. Um, but really I just like it because it, it satisfies my, it satisfies my curiosity for how things could, could go. Cause I, I'm always thinking about, well, if I had said such and such thing differently to these people and this is just that at a broader level. Um, and it kind of, I tend to think in real life about the possible futures <laughs> ahead of me and what I could do to try and make uh, make certain ones more likely than the other because I'm weird like that. And uh, and that makes me really like future time travel stories too. So I like time travel because it's about things that I've inherently wondered about before the first time I ever thought about a time travel story. Um, it's just a part of me, I guess. Uh, yeah, Mandy, why do you like time travel stories? I like time travel stories, uh, probably because they were the first thing when I was younger to really blow my mind. Um, and, you know, Terminator is one of my favorite things, uh, right behind Star Wars. And uh, the reasons why I love Terminator um, stem from the time travel and uh, the apocalyptic scenario and blah, blah, blah. But I, I just loved the paradoxes, uh, the things to talk about, like... How, how many questions it, it made me think about. Like, uh, if the robots had never sent anyone back in time to kill John Connor, John Connor would never have been created. Um, so thereby the robots created their own doom. Uh, you know, if they had never sent anyone back in time to kill John Connor, even if John Connor's father wasn't from the future, he, this, them sending someone back in time is what prepared him to be able to fight the robots. And, and just this whole like circular paradox of these ideas. Um, and, you know, whether, whether it's the you do have control over your destiny, dream of thought, or you don't, um, like 12 Monkeys, uh, it's, it's just fascinating to think about, you know, is, is, you know, the fatalist viewpoint, the 12 Monkeys, is even if you invent time travel, there, there's nothing you could do to change it, um, to change the future. And that's something that's both... Um, disconcerting to think about right because it, it says we're all destined to do whatever it is we're going to do but also if that's the way of time travel that's true it also means then uh we could go back in time and just observe things and not worry about changing the future um there's less danger in that and, um, and at the same time you don't have to worry about the things you you are currently doing being rendered useless by somebody else <laughs> traveling back in right. time Right. And, and so I just, I just love all the paradoxes and questions and crazy, uh, you know, time travel causes great out of fish out of water stories uh, like Kate and Leopold, uh, where Leopold is pulled from the 1800s into our modern time. Um, so that's fun to watch, right? Someone from a different time trying to fit in. Uh, our time. Uh, you get a lot of that in Star Trek too, because it's really cheap for Star Trek to travel to whatever is the current present. 
<laughs> um, so there are a lot of those stories in Star Trek. Uh, the Voyage Home being a perfect example. And it's just hilarious um, how you can't really fit in a time unless you're in that time. Um, and it's also interesting on how it makes you think about different times. Um, you know, if reading something like uh, The Time Machine, if I was a Victorian person, I'd probably read that and think, of course the Morlocks have been, should be destroyed. But reading it now as a modern person, I read that and I read it as a horror story almost like that this Victorian man travels in time and commits genocide and it's disturbing. Um, I'm not sure HG Wells intended it to be that disturbing. (laughs) Um, So it's interesting how not even being in the intended audience of the time travel story, I have a different way of viewing it because in a way that story is time travel for me uh, because I come from the present as opposed to the Victorian era. Uh, So I just love, how time travel makes you think and it makes you question everything and you can watch something like primer get to the end and be like holy crap i have to watch that again <laughs> and then you watch it four more times and then you google everything about it to try to see what other people's theories on what the heck just happened are um <laughs> and it's it's just fascinating and and i love it and time travel i i don't think it'll ever get old for me even when it's a uh, retelling of something similar um it you know yeah terminator and 12 monkeys are two very different movies but both with the same train of thought when it comes to time travel uh you know kate leopold is a rom-com uh with a weird time travel doesn't entirely make sense kind of falls more in the uh Maybe a little more in the Back to the Future train of thought. Maybe a little into the Twelve Monkeys. It's trying to it's trying to borrow from both. Uh, and, and I just I love movies that make me think. Uh, I love movies that play with time. And I uh, I didn't even bring up Continuum, which is yeah. a current television show. I know uh, about it, but I had nothing to say because I don't know anything other than that. It I've exists. only seen the first season. I'm, I'm holding the second season to marathon it. Okay. <laughs> So, yeah, uh, that's all I got. I love time travel. You know, Star Wars is my favorite thing of all time, and Terminator is my second favorite thing of all time. And it's, n- and it's not because of Arnold Schwarzenegger. It's, uh, it's because of the time travel and the robot apocalypse, John Connor and Kyle Reese. So <laughs> that's all I got. So uh, I guess we should start the show. <laughs> Probably should. <laughs> <laughs> 